to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bachetta Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by women. I hope you enjoy. So today we're going to be learning the first of the three stories we'll be exploring in this series. Um, this Many of the stories um, related to the destruction of the Beis Mikdash appear in Masechus Gittin, starting from Tafnun Vav. And today we're going to be taking one of those, one of the famous stories um, from those pages in the Gemara. This is actually one of the few things that you're allowed to learn um, on Tishabav um, are these pages of the Gemara in Masechus Gittin. So we're going to be looking first at the story of Rabbi Yechon and um, and his whole conversation with the general and um, Mushki will tell us a little more about why she felt this was a good story to start with, and, and we'll dive right in. All right. Hello, Hadassah. So, yes, we're going to be starting with the story about Rabbi Yechonon ben Zakkai. Um, I, I felt that this is an important to begin, story to begin with because it gives a lot of context, context and it's a very, very important piece of um history and really our continuity. It's the it's the way that we walked into Gullus with, uh, I guess you can say, with a certain amount of pride um, that, that can all be attributed to Rabbi Yechanan ben Zaka. So we're going to read the story inside, uh, talk about a few of the, you know, different points inside of the story um, from different, from various Mepharshim, and then we'll discuss what this story has to do with us. Right. So aside from the fact that this is the story of the beginning of the Gullus and we're still or really the the beginning of the end, I don't I don't even know. But and we're still really feeling its after effects. So besides for the historical continuity, um, we we have to get out of this Gullus. Right. And this this story is going to give us uh, the ways, the ways in which we can do that. Uh, using Rabbi Yechonin ben Zakkai as our example. So diving right into the story. So we are in, for anyone that wants to follow along, um, we are in Mesech Tzgitin, Daf Nun Vav Amad Aleph, towards the bottom. Um, so reading inside. So Abba Sikra Reish Bir di Yerushalayim, Bar Achasei de Rabbi Yechonin ben Zakkai. So this is an important piece right over here. So Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai, he was the leader. He was, well, one of the great leaders of the generation. They're, all of the Yidin are sitting in a siege in Yerushalayim. Now, one of the very, very heartbreaking parts of the story of the siege of Yerushalayim is that the Yidin would have been fine if not for a very uh, intense group of zealots who were called the Biryainim in Hebrew, um, who wanted to fight against the Romans. So while the leadership of the of the Jewish community, the leadership of, of the Yidin said, you know, given to the Romans, we're in Gaulus now, the Romans are in charge, let us follow what they say so we won't, so our base HaMikdash won't be destroyed. The zealots who were, who did not, in uh, stark contrast to what the Chachamim said, they said, no, we must fight the Romans. We need our own autonomy. And they made it much worse for the Jewish people. Um, as a matter of fact, 
it says that there were a few um, there were a few rich people in Yerushalayim. One of them was Rabbi Akiva's father-in-law, Kalba Sabua, who they could have. It says that their storehouses of grain could have sustained the entire Yerushalayim for a very very long time. So the Yidden could have lived healthily um, in under the siege of the Romans, but the zealots they didn't want that to happen. They wanted the Jewish people to fight. So what they did. The, the Jewish people's own brothers and sisters went and burned those storehouses down. So the Jewish people were really starving because, because of these Berean and because of these zealots. Um, and furthermore, the zealots actually helped the siege. They stood around the walls of Yerushalayim to make sure that no one is getting out, uh, even if uh, for the, Ro- the Romans would have let a few people slip through. So again, very, very, very heartbreaking. Now, this Abba Sikra, who we just, we just read his name, he was the nephew of Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, and he was one of the leaders of the zealots. So very sad family rift over here. So what happens is that one day, Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, so going back into the word, Shlachle, Tabitzina Lagabai. He sent for his nephew, Abba Sirka, and said, come to me in secret. Asa, he came. Amarle. So he said to him, At Amos Abdusi Hachi Vekatlusi Leil Alma Bechanfa. So Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai asked his son, like, asked his nephew, like, until when are you going to do this? You're going to keep killing us uh, through what you guys are doing. You're, you starved us. So Amarle, so Abba Sikra said to him, That if I do, if I help you out over here, they're all going to, all of my friends are going to kill me. So the Ian Yaakov actually says that Abba Sikra was actually, he was ready to do tshuva. Uh, that's why the, the, um, the Agada says, that talks about his relationship with Rabbi Yechanan ben Zaka, that he was his nephew, the, the son of his sister, because he was ready to do tshuva. But through Abba Sikra's sins, he got himself into a place where he couldn't even do tshuva anymore, his, that his comrades would have, would have killed him if he did. So, important lesson over there. Um, so Amarle, so Rabbi Yechanan ben Zaka said to him, Chazili, uh, so he said, Rabbi Yechon Medzaka said, okay, fine, but you got to do something, right? Figure something out where I will at least have some sort of small um, salvation, right? So that we'll be able to do something. People are dying left and right from starvation over here. So Abbasikra has an idea. He says, Amarle, I have an idea. So pretend you're sick. Right? Uh, so many people will come and ask about you. So you'll get the word around. Rabbi Yechonim ben Zaka is not feeling well. The Aisimide Saria, the Angi Gabach, the Lemerach, the Lemur Dinach Nafshach. So what you should basically do is pretend that you died. Bring something that smells next to you, put it near you, and, you know, play dead. Um, after that, so everyone knows that you were sick, you purportedly died. After that, So he says, and then make sure that you get your students to carry you. He says, because it is, it's known that 
dead people are heavier than alive people because uh, people who are alive can carry their own weight. So make sure that you get your students to come and carry you. And you're basically, the plan over here is that they were going to take him out of the city to go to go bury him. Now, uh, the uh, Marsha says, make, be very specific that... Um, it's only your students and the the uh, biryanim at the gate. So the zealots at the gate, they're going to be the ones. And as we'll see in, in the in the coming in the coming few lines over here, the biryanim, the Jewish people, were the ones who didn't let him out. The Romans were were okay. Um, and he says the biryanim will understand that a that a Jewish leader only wants his students to be the ones carrying him out. So that's fine. Um, and the ben Yehayada, who's actually the ben Ishchai from the 19th century. So he actually, he says that what the Buryanim would do is they would actually, so that this thing wouldn't happen, they would make sure that they buried the dead people. So uh, Abba Sikra says, make sure that you get your own students to go and take him out of the, and take you out of the city so that They'll make sure, they'll say that it was a special will of Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai that his students have to take him out. Basically, they're just making sure to get to get past these zealots. Anyway. Nichnas by Rabbi Eliezer mitzad achad, Rabbi Yeshua mitzad achar, ki metay lefischa, be'u lemitkar, be'ay lemitkare. So they got to Rabbi Yeshua, went on one side, and Rabbi... Wow, Rabbi Eliezer went on the other side, and um, they came to the door to the to the uh, to the gate. And what the zealots said, they said, "Hey, are you know, are you sure he's dead? Let's take a sword and put and put it through." And they said, "What do you mean? How can we how can we do that? The Romans will say that they even." So the students said, "Excuse me, not the students." Abba Sikra said, "No, you can't do that because then the Romans will say that we kill our own leaders. That's not very good, right? That's not good PR for us. So we're not going to do that." Um, so they said, you know what, so at least let us push him. Let's take him out. Let's push him. So if we push him, he, if he's actually alive, inevitably, inevitably, something, uh, he'll, he'll let out a shriek if he's actually alive. Um, and Abba Sikra again said to his friends, he said, no, let's not push him. It's like, that again, not good for PR. They're going to say that our, um, we, we push our own leaders. So they let him through. It was, this plan was successful. Finally, so that's stage one. Rabbi Yechonon ben Zakkai gets out of the walls of Yerushalayim. Kimata lahasim. So when he gets there, Amar, he says. So again, you see over here how the zealots were the one who were stopping people from coming out. Even though there was technically a siege, it was really our own doing to ourselves. Um, so once he gets out, he goes straight to Aspasianus. Aspasianus, or Vespasian in English, um, was the governor of Yerushalayim at that time. And the Roman governor of Yerushalayim. And Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Yechanan ben Saka comes to him and says, Shlama alach malka, shlama alach malka. Um, you know, hello king, hello king. Now, Vespasian, instead of saying hi back, goes, Amarle, mechaibat treik tala. So really, I should kill you for two reasons. Number one, because I'm not a king. I'm not the Caesar. And then you went and called me a king. That's making fun of me. And that, according to 
Marsha, he says, that's making fun of me. And then Rashi says, but that's actually, it's making fun of the, the Caesar himself. That um, he, you're calling someone else a king when he's the king, right? So you, you deserve death because of that. But tui malka ana, ata itina amai lai, uh, and he says, and if I was king, right? If I was actually king, then what took you so long to come? I should kill you for not coming to me right away. Um, so interestingly, just a little, little Hasidish Maisa over here is that the Berchas Arain, um, the Sefer Berchas Arain, again, a Hasidish Sefer, not a Lubavitch one, uh, brings down a story. He says that there was a story with a Magid, that the Magid once told his student, Rab Aaron of Kerlin, to be the, um, the Chazan for one of the Yamim Nairaim. And when they got to the, uh, when he got to Hamelech, right, the Hamelech be like, right before, right before we uh, say Shema on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, he, this Rabbi Aaron Kerlin couldn't stop crying. And Wait, before before Yishtabach, you mean? Before Yishtabach, yes. Excuse me. Um, he couldn't stop crying, and it took him a long time. Finally, he pulled himself together, and, you know, they dominated. After dominating, his friends came to him and said, what happened? Like, why wh- why were you crying so much? So, Rav Aaron Kerlin, instead of giving them a long explanation, he basically just repeated this this line of Vespasian, of Aspasianus. He says, Imalka ana ata idna amayla aseis lagabai. If Hashem is the king, then why didn't I come to him until now, right? If Hashem is our king, we have a responsibility and a chryas to go to Hashem and to treat him as our king because he is the king. Um, so Hashem is a lot nicer than uh, Vespasian, so he accepts us at any point in time. But Aspasanus, again, he was telling he was telling Rabbi Yechonim really, you deserve to die. So Rabbi Yechonim has to save his life over here. And he says, Amarle. So he said to him, I have two, you know, I have two uh, claims against me. And talk about I'm gonna address both. So you said that that you said you are not a king. Um, in truth, you really are a king. How do I know? How do I know that you're actually a king? Um, he says if you weren't, a, he says the proof is in the pudding. If you weren't a king, there would have been no way that you would have been able to overcome your Dixon, as the Pasuk says. So he says, there's a Pasuk that says, excuse me, that the Levanin will fall Ba'adir. And he says the word Adir refers to a king quoting another Pesach, and the word Levanin refers to Yerushalayim, that the only way that Yerushalayim could fall is with an honorable person, with a king. Um, interestingly, so why is the, just a little side point over here, why is, is Yerushalayim referred to as Levanin? Um, it, has, it has the same uh, word as Lavan, which is white, because our, our base hamikdash really is what is it whitens all of our sins. It cleanses us. Um, Maharal says something very interesting. He says Eretz Yisrael is called a har. It's called a mountain because it's higher than all other lands. However, a mountain is the land, right? The base hamikdash though is not called a har. It's called levana and it's called a tree because it has no connection to the ground. It is so much higher than anything else. So while everything can fall 
with anything, Yerushalayim, because, excuse me, the base of Mikdash, because it is so much higher than anything else, can only uh, be cut down by a king, basically. So that was that was his uh, proof text. That was his proof that that Vespasian must be a king. Udaka Marta, and that you said Imalka Ana Amayla Kaesla Gabai Ada Idna. Right? You said why didn't you come until now? And the reason is because I couldn't. Biryana de Isban Lashavkinan. The Buryanim, the Zealots, didn't let me through. And the Buryanim were really everyone's common enemy. The only reason the Romans were, were killing the Jewish people is because the, the Zealots were, were having this war, this war of independence. So, Vespasian, uh, not, um, he, he heard, he said, okay, fine, you know, not going to kill you right now. Um, so, Amarla, he says, and he gives him a mushal, and he says, listen, I gotta, I gotta kill, you mentioned the Buryanim, you mentioned these zealots, I really, I got to destroy Yerushalayim now, because, so he says, if there, if he, he Vespasian, right, gives a mushal, and he says, if there was a, um, a barrel of honey, and that barrel had a, a poisonous snake on top of it, wouldn't you break the entire barrel just to kill the snake? I mean, the, the poisonous snake is so bad. So he said, the, the nimshal really, according to Rashi, is that he says, listen, you, the Jewish people, you are honey. And honey is, you know, honey's fine. But you have a drakan on top of you. You have the zealots, you have the Brianna on top of you. So of course we're going to, of course, of course, we're going to kill you because we don't want to get killed by the by the snake. Ishtik, so Rabbi Yechonah ben Zaka, he was quiet. He heard. Now, Kari Alei Rav said. Now, the, the fact that Rabbi Yechonah ben Zaka was quiet about this, other Chachamim weren't too happy about that. Kari Alei Rav Yosef, so Rabbi Yosef said, the Itema Rabbi Akiva, Meshav Chachamim Achar, Vedatam Yisaka, Ibai Laila Meimar, uh, so Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi Akiva says that what Rabbi, um, what Rabbi Yechem should have said is that, no, what do you mean? You don't have to kill, you don't have to break the entire barrel. You don't have to hurt the whole Yerushalayim. All you have to do is you have to pick up the, the, uh, the snake with tweezers and kill the snake, right? All you have to do is kill the Brianna. You don't have to kill the whole Yerushalayim. Now, that's what the that was the Chachamim's uh, critique of what Rabbi Yechonim ben Zaka did, that he didn't say anything. Interestingly, um, so different different Mepharshim discuss why was Rabbi Yechonim ben Zaka quiet? Why didn't he say it? This is such a simple answer, right? You don't have to, you don't have to uh, break an entire barrel just for one thing that's on top of it. Um, so, interestingly, Rabbi Yechon ben Zaka, so some say that it was really, it was a, uh, it was from Hashem, where Hashem made Rabbi Yechon ben Zaka forget, so that Yerushalayim could be killed, because if he would have given this advice of only to kill the zealots, um, then maybe they would have listened, and then Yerushalayim wouldn't have been destroyed, and Yerushalayim had to be destroyed, it was, that's what Hashem had decided, but beyond that, Rabbi Yechonan, um ben Zakai, he knew what to say. He knew he could have said it, but he didn't say it. Because sometimes it's smarter to not be right. 
right? If you outsmart a king, the only thing that you're going to do is anger the king about the fact that he was wrong or the fact that there's someone smarter than him. So Rabbi Yechonah ben Zaka was quiet because he had something that he had to get done. He had to get something done for the Jewish people. So he's not going to show how smart he is um, because that may anger uh, Vespasian. Anyway, so moving, uh, moving along in this discussion, um, at that, right at that moment, they hear a knock on the door. So, Atachi Asa Pristika Ale Meremi, Amr like Kum Demisle Kesar. So, there is a messenger coming all the way from Rome and said, Get up! You have become the, king, the, the Caesar. The Caesar in Rome just died, and you have been elected Vespasian. You are now going to be the new Roman emperor. So, um, what, what happened right then? What happened right then is that he was in the middle, and we're going to read it. We're going to read it right now. Vespasian was in the middle of putting on his shoe. I guess during his conversation with Rabbi Yechon and Ben Zakkai, he had put one shoe on. Then this messenger comes from Rome and says, "You're the king," and he tries putting on his second shoe. So what happens over here? Um, he was not able to put the second shoe on. And he tried to take off the first one, and it wouldn't come off. Amar, my! So he turned to Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai, the sage in the room, who had prophesied that he would become king, and says, what happened? Why, why won't my shoes come off? Why can't I put my shoe on, and why can't it come off? So Amar said, let it start. Don't, nothing happened. You're not sick. Your feet didn't swell suddenly. What happened was, is that you heard good news. Shemua. You heard good news. As it says in Mishle, I believe, that um, good news is it makes your bones bigger. Um, to content, you want to fix it, you want your shoes still to, to fit. Uh, they didn't have so many pairs of shoes in those days, even the emperors. Um, so get someone who you don't really like to come before you. to come before you. Because it says in the Pasuk that a low down, a depressed spirit um, makes your limbs smaller. Um, so they did that. They got someone he didn't like. And it worked. Um, so... Inter- the, interestingly, the Rebbe comments on this concept. The, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe uses this phrase multiple times, that good news makes someone's um, body expand, really. That's really what it's saying. And he says, really, because we have this concept in Tyra of tainug, of pleasure. And pleasure is this all-encompassing feeling where your entire self is totally, is totally Elevated, And he says that we have different kaychas, we have different parts of our body. We have our mind that thinks, our hands that do, our feet that walk. But an all-encompassing kayak, a kayak makifi, is, is tainug, is pleasure. And the reason that we um, bring the example of, the, the reason that we find this example of pleasure in a in a guy, in a person who wanted to come and destroy your shalayim is to show us that time of true pleasure, real pleasure. And by pleasure, we don't mean, you know, the pleasure of eating a good ice cream. By pleasure, we mean true intrinsic happiness that can elevate the lowest of the low, even the foot of the lowest person. Um, again, something to think about of how 
of what happiness is and what real, of what real pleasure is. Anyway, so moving right along in the story. Um, so again, uh, the Vespasian, Aspasianus, uh, turns to Rabbi Echron ben Zakkai and says, so why didn't you come until, if you're so smart, why didn't you come until now? Why didn't you talk to me until now? And he said, I told you, I told you already. I was not able to come out because of the, because of the zealots. Now, the main part of the story here, Rabbi Echron ben Zakkai gets to do what he's coming for. So, Amarle, he said to him, so Vespasian, uh, Aspasianus said to Rabbi Echron ben Zakkai, Mezal Azlena, I'm leaving. I'm leaving now because I need to go back to Rome uh, because I'm the new emperor. So the Inash Achrina Mishadarna, and someone else is coming to take me over to kill you guys. Um, okay, so Ella Ba'ai Minai Midai Vetain Lach. So he says, Tell me something that you will want and I will give you. I'm leaving, someone else is coming, but as a parting gesture, because you just told me such good news and because you must be a brilliant person, um, I will give something to you. And again, this is Rabbi Ahmed Zaka, get, you know, getting what he wanted, why he came over here. So Amrla, he said to him, he, he asked for three things. Okay, he said, Tenli Yavneh Give me Yavne. Yavne is a city in Eretz Yisrael, not too far from Yerushalayim. Vechachameha and its uh, and its um, and its chachamim and its wise people. So there was a yeshiva already in Yavne, and Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai. Request number one is: Do not destroy the yeshiva in Yavne. Do whatever you're doing in Yerushalayim. Don't destroy the, the, the yeshiva in Yavna. Number two, make sure that the that the nesius, that the kingship, really, the Jewish kingship of Rabban Gamliel stays, that we are allowed to have our, our king, our nasi. The, and number three, the Masian lay l'rabid sadaik. And please give us doctors to heal Rabbi Tzaddik. Rabbi Tzaddik was, a, was an old sage in Yerushalayim, and he was actually, it says in the previous Haggadah, that he fasted for 40 years um, in Davin so that Yerushalayim will not be destroyed. And because of that, he was extremely ill. And that was request number three of Rabbi Yechon ben Zakkai. Make sure that, that um, Rabbi Tzaddik is healed. So that that is what happened, and that is that is what and his requests were granted. So just to finish off the story, Kreli Rav Yosef. So Rav Yosef, um, Rav Yosef called upon him right again, the critic of Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai, and he says, "The Tema Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Rabbi Kiva said, Meshav Chachamim Achar Vedatam Yisakel." That Chachamim. That again, quoting a pasuk over here that uh, Chachamim sometimes say silly things. He should have said, He should have said that leave your Shalayim alone, right? You have this opportunity to request that anything, you should have requested that your Shalayim be saved. Why didn't you request that? So why didn't he? Why didn't Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai request that your Shalayim be saved on the one hand and on the other hand what is the significance of the things that he asked for why is that why is that what he needed at that time so to first understand why he didn't um why he didn't 
uh, ask that. And so the the Gemara says, the Agada continues and says, Vahusavar, and he thought, If he asked for something too much, um, he wouldn't get anything. And he wouldn't even have a little bit. So so Rabbi Yachana ben Saka, he was being smart. And he said, listen, if I ask for something that is too big, I'm not going to get anything. May as well get something. I came here to get some sort of salvation. Um, I may, I shouldn't ask for something that's too big. Interestingly, um, Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, the Mitzurah Stavid says that Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai also had a clue, had a hint that Aspasianus Vespasian was not willing to give that to him because before he, right, uh, looking back a few lines before, before Aspasianus said, can, um, before Aspasianus said, you know, tell me one thing and I will grant it to you. He first said, I'm going to send someone here first to replace me, to destroy you guys. And therefore here I have, uh, you know, you can you can ask me anything that you'd like. So Aspasianus already preempted and said, you can ask me anything, just don't ask me that. And as, as we know, the person that he sent to take him over was Titus, was the person who actually did end up destroying Yerushalayim. So we still have to understand why did he ask for those three things? So from a historical point of view, those three requests are actually what allowed for the continuity of the Jewish people. Jewish people, the, the base of Mekdash is destroyed. The center of gravity for the Jewish nation is not there anymore. And it's been like that for, for many, many, many years, right? For for hundreds of years, the center of gravity was in your Shalim, and before that it was with the Mishkan. There was always there was always a centralized Jewish nation, right? Beginning with my Shurbinu and then even even before that. So once their central place is destroyed, if there's nothing to go to, that would have been the end of the Jewish people. So Rabbi Yechadon ben Zakkai, in his foresight, he said, you're not going to have Abisa Mikdash anymore, but let's have plan B, right? Let's have Yavna. Let's have the place where we still can have our Yiddishkeit. We still can have our center of gravity, even though it's not where we want it to be. So historically, this is actually what allowed for the Jewish people to continue. So, I mean, Rabbi Yechonim and Zach, I think, is underrated for how he saved the Jewish nation. Um, but he said that's not enough. Secondly, you, we also need our kingship. We need our Nesias, right? We need our centralized leadership. Make sure that we have that. And establishment is, is nice, but we need to have a strong leadership to keep it going. And then number three is Rabbi Tzadik. Rabbi Tzadik was davening, right? He was the, he, the <laughs> Rabbi Yechonin ben Zaka, he knew that tefillah is the thing that is keeping the Jewish people, that, that is keeping the Jewish people. And if we don't have the power of tefillah, we're not going to have anything. And that's why he asked for Rabbi Tzadik to, to continue leading. Now the Maharal um, gives, you, gives a little more insight. And he says, these three requests we see are Tyra, tefillah, and Malchus. And those are really the three pillars of our nation. Tyra is who we are. It's everything that we are. It's our learning. So even though the base Hamikdash is the outward expression and the grand expression of our continuity as the Jewish people, Tyra is the essence. Tyra is who we are. So Yavna is the thing that we need 
to continue living as Jewish people. Tefillah, Rabbi Tzaddik, right? Healing, Rabbi Tzaddik. That is the other side of the coin, right? We can't just be learning. We also need to make sure that we're davening, that we're davening for continuity, and that we're davening to rebuild the third base of Mikdash. And then the Nasius, the Malchus, is is who will help us get through it, and it's our chain in our long tradition. And he says that this is really the three the the three of the the three first midas, chesed, din, and rachamim. Tyra is chesed. Tyra is just an outpouring of our connection with Hashem. Tfila is din, because we have to work hard on gvura, right? We have to work hard on ourselves to daven. We have to work hard on ourselves to change and to ask Hashem to bring things into this world. That's tfila. And then rachamim is, um, is the connection between the two, our beautiful role models, our examples, of taking Torah and taking tefillah together, those are our leaders, and they show us how to do it properly. That's what the Maharal says. That was the depth of Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai's request. Now, you know, we, we have been living in Gullus for a very long time, but it's the same Gullus that Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai started us with, right? He started us out that we can be successful here through through this establishment of Yavna and having, having leadership. Um, but we're still in that Gullus and we still need to bring Mashiach. And the way that we need to do it is through these three Kavim, right? Is through Tyra, through learning Tyra, connecting, connecting to Tyra, connecting to Hashem that way, through Tefillah, through davening for Mashiach, and then through listening to our leaders who help us on the right path. Because as much as we think we know, they know more, right? So helping us, helping us get there. Now the Rebbe says, um, about Rabbi Yechon Ben Sakai's request of, of Yavna, he says that through learning Tyra, we actually negate the Horban, right? The Horban the was all about destroying the Jewish nation, right? We had a beautiful base in Mikdash, a big place of splendor, um, and you think that if you cut down the splendor, you cut down the Jewish nation. But through continuing our Tyra, we're continuing who we are essentially, and the essence the essence stays. So through learning, that's how we can rebuild our legacy. And the Rebbe says very, very practically, um, very practically, the way that we actually learn Tyra, that the Chorban, excuse me, that the Chorban is the way that we can learn Tyra, meaning... There is, there is a Pesach, we actually, we, it's from Tehillim, we say it uh, before Rosh Hashanah, uh, before Tekiah Shaifer, we say the Pesach, Min HaMetzach Harasi Ka Anani Ka, excuse me, um, that through a narrow place, I call out to Hashem, and Hashem answers me, and makes my place wide. Right, gives me gives me openness. So I'm, I call to Hashem when I'm in a place of restrict restriction, not a good place, not a place where I can express myself. And Hashem answers me and helps me. And in Tanya, it actually says, "How do you call to Hashem? The way that you call to Hashem, Karav Hashem lechal Karav. How do you call to Hashem? You call to Hashem through learning Torah." When you feel comfortable and happy and good and whatever, and things are fine, you don't invest yourself as much. As we all know that when we're living in deep troubling times when things are hard for us, that's when we can bring out our true strength. That's when we can bring out who we truly are. So the Rebbe says that this message of Rabbi Yechon and Ben Zakkai, uh, this message of 
Tyra through the Chorban or Tyra coming through the Chorban is that in our lives, when we feel Chorban, that is the opportunity to truly reveal the Tyra inside of us. And that is how we can experience the expansiveness of godliness, the expansiveness of Kedusha, the expansiveness of Hashem, and then the ultimate expansiveness, which is the expansiveness of Mashiach, specifically when we feel like we're so small, when we feel like we're so not connected. Chorban brings to Tyra, which brings to Merchavka, which is Mashiach. So this story in the Gemara, in a di- so on, on a very simple level, on the literal level, it's just telling us what happened and it's telling us how our Jewish, our Jewish nation had continuity. Wow, Mushki, that is so fascinating. Um, I think what's so powerful about Rabbi Yochanan Medzake's approach to this whole predicament that they were in is that it's very easy to go either way, either to sort of be in denial about what's going on and try to resist the reality and say, like, no, the destruction's not happening. Almost like that's what the critics of Rabbi Yochanan Medzake were saying. Like, why didn't you ask for the whole thing? Why did you only, like, ask for a few things? Why didn't you just, why didn't you just try to stop this whole thing and convince, you know, convince the Romans not to, not to destroy us at all? And so it's easy to either do that um, or to just give up entirely, just like completely surrender and like give up hope and have this this sense of hopelessness about the situation. And I think what's I found so powerful Rabbi Yochanan Mitzake's three requests is that he's looking at what's going on. He's like he sees that we're about to come into this horrific like devastating time and yet he's able to like see the future through it. Like I could see like what's going to pull us through, you know, <laughs> this horrible horrific situation that we're going into like to have that foresight to be able to say like i know we're going to this time of destruction i'm not in denial about it i'm not resisting it i'm accepting that this is what's going to happen and i'm able to see like what are the key things we're going to need to pull through that time and to bring us out of it um i think that's a really powerful message in general for us in our lives um to be able to, to go into a situation that way, right? Go into difficult times and be able to say i'm accepting this is happening and i'm not gonna like resist it i'm not gonna you know um be in denial about it, but I'm also not going to give up hope. I'm going to be able to try to find, like, what are the the resources I need to, to pull me through? A hundred percent. I think that's, that's a really beautiful way of taking it. I think that the two poles are really, they're really easy. It's natural to either do despair or to either, um, you know, be in denial. And, you know, I think that the statement from Pirkei uh, Evais, which is, right, that the, the job is not yours to complete, but also you have no, you have no um, allowance because you, you don't have to complete it. You have no allowance to not do anything is that say is a very similar idea where we have to, on the one hand, recognize that it's not perfect, right? recognize that perfection is not in our hands, our situation is not in our hands, but at the same time, we have something that we have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very powerful. Thank you so much.